It's been said that the internet, and particularly social media, has been a tool for bringing those who are farthest from us closer to us. But we're coming to realize that the same tool for connection may also be used as a weapon of disconnection that drives those closest to us farther from us. And as more and more of the research findings come in, there's a pretty good case to be made that allowing our kids unencumbered access to all things digital has been, and still is, a terrible mistake. That doesn't seem to stop us, though, from handing out smartphones to our kids without any limits or instruction. It's not unlike giving your teen his own car, but forgetting to teach him how to drive, how to drive safely, and when it's time to stop driving and park the car for the night. So has the convenience and seemingly endless access to information and amusement been worth the fallout? Well, let's take a look next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hi, you found us once again, and we are so very glad of that. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential therapeutic program for troubled teens located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. And Trace, the, uh, the, the liabilities of digital technology and the strategies for a, a healthy digital protocol to mitigate those liabilities, those are subjects that certainly are not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I talk about this a lot uh, here on the program, and I'm not so sure that what we're going to be offering parents today by way of information or answers or suggestions is going to be any less disturbing or any easier mm-hmm. to accept than it's ever been. Many okay. parents still haven't quite gotten used to the idea that tech etiquette and wise digital protocol is really a thing. You'd say, though, there could be a very high price to pay for not implementing some of the wise approaches to screens and keyboards, particularly as it uh, pertains to our kids, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, and not the least of which could be a very expensive year-long therapeutic program which specializes in tech addictions like Shepherd's Hill Academy, but that's by no means the greatest cost, Rich. Just this week, one of our own Shepherd's Hill counselors uh, lost a 34-year-old family member to a young lady who was FaceTiming while driving. Oh, my word. Yeah, it's it's tragic. Uh, You know, and here's the thing. I I pour out my guts about this issue in front of audiences and parents from all over the country and and on this broadcast, only to have them look at me like wood carvings when I share some of the things that they're (laughs) going to have to do to effectively mitigate the right. dangers and liabilities involved in some of this stuff. And I don't really get into the immediate physical dangers as much as I'm talking about the emotional and relational, psychological, societal, and, and spiritual dangers. Uh, but too many people are still willing to roll the dice with this stuff. Uh, this alone tells me a few things. First, they're likely addicted themselves. Second, they either don't believe or can't accept the liabilities and dangers involved in it, nor do they link it to any of Junior's attitudinal or behavioral issues. Third, they feel the risks are worth the rewards. Uh, fourth, there's little to no knowledge or regard for wise moral principles and standards for protecting your kids that are clearly laid out in Scripture and that uh, have been passed on uh, to us for, for generations. Mm-hmm. And, and for those claiming to have a regard for Scripture, they certainly aren't connecting the dots with how biblical principles and standards relate to their family's digital use. Uh, for secular folks, you, you would think that all the scientific research and findings about this stuff and what used to be called common sense would get their attention. But common sense has been replaced with cognitive dissonance. 
And therefore, common sense isn't so common anymore, Rich. Right, right. Postmodern thought uh, started baking that cake back in the 60s, and now I, slavery and digital addiction has simply put a, a delicious icing on that cake, which sealed the deal for what looks like the reprobate and depraved minds we can look for in these Orwellian-like last days. So it really, really is a matter of picking your poison, as far mm. as I'm concerned. Suffer the consequences of implementing you know, some wise balance in your digital protocol, whatever you think those consequences might be or suffer the consequences of not doing so. Uh, there's really no third option. Yeah. But uh, as for me and my house, uh, I see no downside or consequences for implementing a wise digital protocol, none mm. whatsoever. Now, I've heard you say, though, that you're noticing a bit of a turn regarding how people are just now starting to connect these dots. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. uh, I let me ask you to tell us about your experience. You spoke recently at a conference at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What went on there? Yeah, okay. In fact, two years ago, I spoke at this same school administrators conference in Myrtle Beach, uh, and a moderate crowd showed up with a few people coming forward at the end to ask questions. I think some of them maybe thought I was an alarmist or something. But in the last two years, more and more scientific research has been coming to light on this topic. But it's not really new. It's just coming to light. More articles and books have been written about it, like our, our guest today. Uh, more has been reported about it in the news. And more and more parents are starting to see things in their kids that they've never seen before. And so I told my son-in-law on the way down there to Myrtle Beach uh, that things would be different this time. And they, they really were. Uh, it was the same conference uh, as two years ago. But this time, we had to turn away people at the door. And when I was done talking, it was like being charged by a herd of hungry jackals asking questions and trying to get me to come <laughs> yeah. to speak in the, in the venues that they came from. So, yeah, people are just now starting to, to really catch on to this. But it's sad that things had to get so bad for people to, uh, you know, where they, they're now crying uncle. Yeah. Because, you know, I believe these folks are, are blinded to the very thing they, they didn't see or were trying to ignore two years ago by the very devices that had their brains stymied to the critical thought required to even understand that this is a new and very real systemic problem. And, while, and like any systemic problem or addiction, it could take a very long time to get this ship turned around yeah. if it ever gets turned around. Well, and, and this turn, I think, has, has taken so long from our perspective because most people are not sitting in your shoes. They don't run a therapeutic program That's for true. troubled teens. Yeah. So you saw it in the first wave, right? But I do know that we've we've had more and more folks from all walks of life. But mm -hmm. fortunately, in prominent positions, uh, Tucker Carlson of Fox News was a guest on this program a while back, mm -hmm. and he started ringing the bell. Yeah, and, and others have done it as well. And, and I mean, he's not connected to us in any way, right? But he's seeing the same things we are. Yeah, and sometimes it takes that first little boy to cry that the emperor has no clothes for everyone else to kind of say, hey, you know what, that, that does make sense. And then, yeah. and then you know, they, they kind of jump on board. But. Well, let me introduce our guest today because he's been sounding this alarm for quite a while as well. We've had him as a guest before as well talking about this. His name is Tom Kirsting. He's a highly sought-after expert in the fields of mental health, families, parenting in the digital age, and the overuse of digital devices. He appears regularly on television, radio, and in print media. He holds advanced degrees in psychology, counseling, and human development, and also has even a second master's in administration and supervision. Now, he's got a new book coming out, and that's what we want to dig into today. It's called Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. Well, Tom, welcome back to Licensed a Parent, brother. Pleasure to be back. In the years since we last talked, uh, have you noticed that more people are starting to realize the adverse effects that excessive digital use is having on kids, adults, and, and the culture at large? 
Oh, without a doubt. So I've been sounding the alarm bell for 10 years, actually. The first lecture I gave on this topic was in March of 2009, almost mm-hmm. 11 years ago. Um, you know, basically I was, you know, going around locally where I live right in New Jersey speaking and you'd get, you know, small crowds and stuff. Now I'm traveling all over the country right. and particularly in the last year, yeah. uh, the amount of lectures that I have done all over the place yeah. and the volume of people coming to these lectures has just expanded so greatly. So it's a very real thing, uh, for parents, you know, they're seeing exactly what you guys just talked about and everything that I cover in my book. And they're looking for some direction. And that's yeah. why you're out there doing what you're doing, and that's why I'm out there doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. Uh, I think sometimes that maybe they're, they're too deep into the forest to see the trees. Uh, what are some of the newer developments in the area of digital technology that parents need to be aware of that maybe you've seen over the past year? You know, so what I've been talking about, my first book, which came out in two, 2016, you know, I laid out a real strong argument regarding the fact that the mental health, the unraveling, the epidemic of anxiety and depression among preteens and teens that we're seeing is because of the world that, that our children are living in, this social media, superficial, highly charged digital world. But when I wrote about that, I didn't, there, weren't, there wasn't really any research out yet. It was basically anecdotal. And if anybody questioned anything I said and, and asked, well, where's the research? I would say, come shadow me for one week and you'll see the research. Well, re- since re- that research- time, all of the research is supporting everything that I wrote about in the original book. Yeah, and in addition, there have been a lot of research, but it's taken years and years and years to kind of come to fruit and light. And, you know, you, you don't do a 15-year study in, you know, in six months. It takes a while. And, but this stuff's now starting to come out. Absolutely. Well, one, of the, one of the newer developments, too, and I've seen this trend shaping for, for quite a while now, just anecdotally, um, Common Sense Media just came out with their second national poll in October in, in terms of the amount and, and types of digital media that kids and teens are using. Mm-hmm. And although, although the number, the amount of hours per day didn't go up all that much because there's just not enough hours in a day for, for it to go up that much, what they did notice, uh, which was a sort of staggering increase in the, in the amount of time that kids are spending watching YouTube. Yeah. So oh, YouTube... Yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, and that's designed that way. YouTube, you guys know this, anybody listening realizes that they use algorithms and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to create, to target each individual's um, desires right. so that the little videos that are popping up are consistent with what you're interested in and they drag you right down that rabbit hole. Yeah, so they're spying on you. If, yeah, if you oh, click yeah. on too many fuzzy bunny uh, videos or, you know, cat videos or whatever, then when that one video ends, the the... You know, screenful that pops up next are all going to be right along that same path. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And then you know, you read the, and then it pops up on Facebook. And so, I mean, it's so crazy the, the amount of stuff that you know with all this digital media. Like I remember, I was looking for a watch online, thinking about buying a new watch. There's, you know, it was on looking for a used watch actually on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Wound up not purchasing one. Within a, five days, I got a huge catalog from Cartier mailed to me in the mail. <laughs> so they collect your data. They they know what you're interested oh, yeah, in. They right. narrow down. They sell it to third party. Right. Um, companies and so forth, and you know, and the next thing you know, you got a, a target person. Yeah, yeah, you know, for many parents, and I think the government too. I think they get this idea that texting while driving seems to be the greatest concern uh, when it comes to the dangers and liabilities involved. But you know, there are a lot of issues uh, that are every bit as dangerous and even deadly with respect to these devices. Can you speak to some of these and that, that parents? Could- oh yeah, yeah, without that. So even you know, even these people that are taking selfies on top of buildings and dying yeah. and the car. You know, in, in the car ride. So I actually did last, uh, last winter, I did my own little poll. And I went to an area in my town where there's a traffic light and that's pretty busy. And I just wanted to get an idea of how many people, when they stopped at a red light, had to go immediately look at their phone. And, you know, I could, say, I could see in there, I had this little telescope thing. 
so it, just to make sure I, you know, I was getting the statistics right. Mm-hmm. And about 50% of the people when they pulled up the traffic lights had to check their phone. Oh, yeah. So it goes to show you the compulsive nature, even when we're driving our car, the idea of imagine driving for 30 minutes without checking your phone. That little alert goes off. Yeah. And it's designed that way. Those alerts and all those things are designed because it's kind of giving us what we want, attention. Yeah. So you get that little dopamine drip in your right. mind, oh, that yeah. little feel-good chemical. Yep. And the tech industry knows what they're doing. That's how they develop their games and everything else. It's just to get us glued to these things right. and no matter you've come to new york city and you walk down the streets it's like you know zombie town everybody just walking with their heads down looking at their screens with earbuds in and so forth yeah here in georgia and i mean this is happening all across the country as well there there have been uh the introduction of these uh e-scooters you know the little the scooters that you can ride around town and in atlanta they were talking about how great they were until the first death happened, and now they're talking about how do we get rid of these things? Because <laughs> yeah, people yeah. are riding down the streets or sidewalks with these while looking at their phones. Yeah. They're not even looking where they're going, and people have pulled out right in front of cars. They've run over people. It, it's yeah. been horrible. Uh, it's amazing. In Hoboken, New Jersey as well, they had, they had those. It's like a you get off the path train, you pay a dollar, you get on one of these scooters, and I think they're now be- being banned from Hoboken for exactly the reason you just mentioned. Yeah. I'll, I'll share one other thing that, that probably you, you guys might not even be aware of, sure. just to give you an idea of how compulsive we are. Um, there's a new, new thing called Brexting, B-R-E-X-T-I-N-G. Does this have that anything is, with leaving the European Union? Or? <laughs> yeah, it has to do with young millennial moms while they're breastfeeding their children. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or staring at their phones. Yeah. Okay, and, and the problem so that while you're nursing, the eye contact and the nonverbal nuances are critically important for the emotional and psychological development oh, yeah. of that infant. Yeah. And they're seeing that being stunted because the mom isn't present while she's breastfeeding um, because even during those intimate moments, uh, they're on social media, yeah. a lot of these moms. So yeah, there's a term called breastfeeding. Well, that's interesting. I never heard the term, but if, have you ever seen the, the video called Still Face? This is where the mom is staring face-to-face with her probably a one-year-old baby, maybe 10 months maybe, and they're interacting, and then she's ordered to just go still, and she just starts staring at the baby, and the baby's trying to get her attention, you know, and I'm telling you, it's disturbing to look at after just about, oh, a minute. It's disturbing, but what it's trying to get across is that when we're not, that kid was going goofy, by the way. Um, What it's getting across is the idea that you know, you can be there and not be there, and it's causing distress in our kids. And I just relate that to teenagers when you're giving them half your attention. I mean, it's not affecting it like it would affect the baby. But if you want, if you want a real treat, uh, uh, click on still face video. It'll pop right up, and that'll confirm, you know, everything you're talking about there. You know, when I'm lecturing and, and you're know, out there doing my thing, you know, the fir- literally the first pointer, the first tip that I give parents is that we have to practice what we preach. You know, we want no our doubt, kids yes. and we're worried about our kids, but it, it really just, it, it supports exactly what you said. So if we're glued to our devices, and, and believe it or not, adults are spending slightly more time, total tech time per day, screen time than kids mm-hmm. are. Um, we have to dial that back ourselves on, under our own rules mm-hmm. uh, if we expect our kids to follow suit. Yeah, and with so many parents are afraid that they can't implement and enforce proper protocol uh, digitally. And I'm thinking to myself, just last year, Georgia passed a law where you can no longer 
You, uh, be, uh, you have to be hands-free, basically. You, you can't be talking you can't on your phone. You can't drive while texting right. or, or talking. And I can tell you, you know, I'm, I push the envelope when it comes to traffic laws. I don't uh, get on that thing. My wife makes sure I don't get on that thing. And I'm thinking if adults will obey something like that, we can get our kids to do it. But I just, I just feel like we don't have the maybe the energy, the inclination. But we, well, you know, in my experience with that, you know, working with so many families and stuff, is that. Each parent, you know, if you've got a kid, a teenager that's buried in their bedroom, addicted to social media and so forth, or playing countless video games, you know, the parents understand that that's a problem, but there's a fear built into them. And the fear right. is this. The fear is if I go take that Xbox away or take that phone away, my kid is going to go crazy because your kid is going to go crazy. Right. And I right. explain this to people. You're going to have to deal with that for a couple of weeks. Right. Your kid is going to become a demon mm-hmm. and you're going to just have to, which is, you know, really, really supports the idea of addiction. Right. But, the, but parents are avoiding that and they're kind of crossing their fingers just hoping, all right, maybe my kid will get, get through this. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. That's what happens when they go into parenting without an intentionality. Uh, they're expecting the best and, you know, that doesn't always work out that way. Um, Dr. Robert Leahy, you may be familiar with him, maybe not. He's a prominent psychopsychologist. He said that today's teens are living under the same degree of anxiety as the average psych patient in the 1950s. So from your experience, how much of this is due uh, to our kids' digital habits? Well, I'll put it to you this way. At the high school where I work, I receive more phone calls. There's not 800, 900 students here. I get more phone calls per week from the nurses that I'm close with to have to calm down a kid that's having a major emotional uh, unraveling or, or, or panic attack or, and so forth. Mm-hmm. I get more of those calls per week than I used to get per school year. At my private counseling practice, I receive more referrals from middle school-aged children with major anxiety disorders than I used to receive in a 10-year period combined. There you go. And, and when I question every one of them, it's the same common denominator. And it kind of goes like this. If you're spending seven, eight, nine hours a day in a cyber world, right. okay, how can you expect to handle the real world when you're confronted <laughs> with an adversarial situation? No doubt. No Tom, doubt. we've got a break coming up in just a moment, but how much of this do you think is specific to social media as opposed to everything else that's on the Social Internet? media alone. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think social media m- makes up the majority of the total percentage of what is in- impacting all of this anxiety because when you think of an adolescent in and of them, just that, that, that stage of development in and of itself, if I can give it a one word definition, would be insecurity. You're supposed to be insecure when you're transitioning, you're going through your hormonal changes, puberty and so forth. So in and of itself, it's anxiety provoking. Now you throw, throw out social media, which is a front row movie ticket and screen to every one of your peers, second to second day to day lives. And you develop this while in a very vulnerable stage, this basis of comparison, comparing oneself to everybody else's self-glorified, wonderful lives. Mm-hmm. And that just layers the anxiety and the self-doubt and the self-esteem issues. And then kids, the next step is they start posting things because they're trying to extract attention from the outside world. And we know that joy and happiness is an inside-out thing, not an outside-in thing. Right, right. And, and I know also on social media, on, on many of the platforms, there's the ability, if I post something, to find out if Others of my friends have read what I've posted, and I, I mean, I've got teens myself, and they, you know, told me, so-and-so read this but never responded, never said anything, and it's like, so? Yeah, big deal. <laughs> but, but we, you know, we didn't grow up with that, and they, and they have it. It's a big deal to them, so yeah. we have to help them learn that it's really not the big deal they think they are. Let me take a break real quick. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Tom Kirsting, and we've been talking about his new book called Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Digital Dependency. That book, by the way, is available for pre-order now. 
And you can find it on his website, TomKirsting.com, or on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. We'll be back with more conversation on this topic, one you won't want to miss in just a moment. This is Licensed to Parent. In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the Licensed to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen Rebellion, Depression, Addiction, Rage, Cutting, and Suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month, Christ-centered, nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherds Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. You are listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. If you've missed any of our past programs, let me invite you to take a stroll over to our website, licensedtoparent.org. There you'll find our past programs, and there you can also subscribe to Trace Embry's blog. Uh, we are talking today with Tom Kirsting and uh, discussing his book, Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency, a subject that we talk about a lot here, but here's the man who's done the research. So uh, uh, we were talking right before the break about uh, social media's yeah. impact and all this, and Trace, there's a lot more to dig down on there. Yeah, Tom, it seems it's, uh, social media is more of a girl's problem, while video games and porn are more of a guy's problem. Although girls are closing the gap on that porn thing. Can you speak to that as to why that's happening? So, so definitely, you know, social media is girl town. I mean, there are boys that use it, but definitely it leans more heavily with girls and the video games more heavily with boys. Mm-hmm. And I think just, you know, during those critical uh, developmental times through adolescent, girls are just different than boys, all right? So the whole, fr- I've just seen it, you know, if gr- that the girls tend to form more groupy, clicky type things. Right. I have a 13-year-old daughter. I've seen that. Yeah, they can't go to the bathroom. They can't go to the bathroom by themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah, so whatever it is, I don't know what exactly what it is, but that's just where girls seem to gravitate. I think Pack boys animals. are are just a little bit dif- different in that you know they, the boys could go have a, a fist fight in the schoolyard, and then the next day they're having lunch together. Right. You know, girls, somebody says bad if something terrible to you or text something to you, 
there's a vilification that can go on, you know, uh-huh. seemingly forever. Yep. So, but getting back to what we were talking about earlier, so another, with all this anxiety and these issues going on, another epidemic problem right now, and, and I've been questioning uh, high school age kids for the last three years, keeping my own, my own documentation, kids that trust me, hundreds of them. And I'll ask them the following question in my office confidentially. I'll say, be, be honest with me, what time do you go to sleep at night? And I am not exaggerating when I tell you this. Nine mm-hmm. out of ten of them will tell me they go to sleep between 1.30 and 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. every night of the school week. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and what we have now is, an ep- is a sleeping disorder epidemic problem in our society where right. sleep centers are bursting at the same Take away everything we already talked about. Take away social media. Take away adolescence and everything else. That element alone, just that sleep deprivation, yeah. in and of itself is going to create anxiety. Can you speak to how tech addiction in general affects the brain in the same way that other illicit drugs affect the brain? Well, look at it like this. Right? So, you know, there's something, I think I probably talked about this on the last show, neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is that? All right. So the brain, like, like if you take a firm piece of plastic, you can't manipulate it. But if you heat, heat it with a blowtorch, now you can. So that's where the term plasticity comes in. The brain is like that. So any human brain that's involved in anything highly stimulating for three hours or more per day, your brain will actually grow new neural pathways to adapt to that environment. And it will prune away those pathways that are not being utilized. That's called neural pruning. Mm-hmm. And we know that our kids are spending almost triple the amount of time than three hours a day in a highly stimulating world. So it's, they're essentially adapting to this cyber world right. and it's changing their brain chemistry, right. rendering them incapable in many cases to focus, to cope, to deal with the, what used to be considered trivial life events. Exactly. So I discussed that in, at length in my book, That's a big uh, deal. which is really the starting point. It is a big deal. So it's actually changing the brains. And another component too is this, just mental health, right? When you look at the mental health, the depression, the suicide rate, which is skyrocketed, all of this anxiety and stuff. People will say, well, why is that? Well, we'll answer this question. What is mental health? So mental health is the following. Whatever is being put into your mind is what you're becoming. That's exactly right. Now we have nine hours a day of whether it's social media or fake news, just pummeling people's minds and and steeping into that mind and creating belief systems that are often riddled with anger, violence, and so forth. Yeah, well, how do parents know when intervention is actually needed? Yeah, so some of the telltale signs is, let's say you had a child, okay, that was, you know, doing well in school, happy and so forth. They turned 10 or 11. Right now, the average age of first smartphone issuance is 10.3 years old, which anybody listening knows is crazy, but that's the average age. They get get sucked down that rabbit hole into this superficial world and so forth. And then you start seeing the the child's life slowly unraveling. They don't want to go to sports anymore. They don't want to play football. All of a sudden, their grades are going down. They seem more depressed. They're becoming reclusive, going in their bedrooms all the time. Mm -hmm. Then it could lead into an anxiety, a school avoidance issue. When you start seeing those things happening, then you know your kid is getting lost in the abyss of this fake superficial world, and you got to extract them from there and get them back into the family room, into your real world. Yeah. Tom, we, uh, we have enjoyed this conversation from the standpoint that it's been very helpful. We have not enjoyed it from the standpoint that the, <laughs> the outlook is so dire. But uh, I want to encourage parents to uh, go ahead and pre-order now a copy of your newest book. It's called Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. I think we've at least laid the case of the need for that. But uh, in order to find out what to do and how to do it, you're going to need to get the book. It's, uh, it's available through Tom's website, tomkirsting.com. Kirsting is spelled K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G, TomKirsting.com. You can also find it online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy your books. Tom, thanks so much for spending time with us today on Licensed to Parent. It's been my pleasure, fellas. 
And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a leading Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. A quick reminder before we go today, it does take a lot of money to keep this program on the air and to keep our work with parents and their teens going strong. And for that reason, we invite your partnership. To find out more about us and to see how you can join us in this ministry to kids, please take a moment and visit us today at LicensedToParent.org. That's LicensedToParent.org. It's a great way to start something new in your life that's going to have a tremendous impact on the lives of others, so thank you in advance. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you back again next time to become the parent your child needs, right here on Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.